2020. How you doing so far? You staying up with your goals? You know, I, I, I am. I'm, I'm trying, and I'm working hard at it. And I think goals are a good thing. They could be overrated sometimes. But it's just a, these first three weekends, I've really wanted to set the table for, you know, Vision 2020, a little play on words, 2020 Vision, because 2020 Vision is what you want. It allows you to see. So we talked a couple weeks ago about clarity. What does it mean to have a clear picture of the future? And as a church, we are really defining what we're going after. Last weekend, pursuing God. Nothing better than, than a determination in our lives to, to pursue God first above all other things in our life. And this week, I want to talk about pursuing people. What does it mean to chase after people that God is chasing after? What does it mean to have a message of hope for them? What does it mean to share the good news called the gospel? Is it possible? Should we still be doing that? A lot of questions, and I'm going to tell you right now, some of the things I'm going to say today are controversial. And it doesn't make everybody happy, what I'm about to say. And so I, want, I need your heart and your mind to really journey with me. Don't go to sleep on me. If you see someone sleeping, just punch them like that. Because um, this is a very important uh, weekend for us to understand why we do what we do, even though it's going against the tide of our country. Okay, so it's very important. You know, have you, ever, have you ever been so excited about something that you wanted to share it with someone else? That's what the gospel is. You know, if I walked into a big superstore Walmart and everything in there was free for one day, I would call you. <laughs> right? I would say, you got to get down here. You would not believe this. Bring the semi truck. You know, uh, everything's free. Or what's really funny is like, like medicines. This is hilarious. When you get to people, especially people that are a little bit older, you know, their medicines are a big deal. You know, their pill boxes grow. There's pill boxes like this big now. It's like a garage. You know, you open up. Um, but, but sometimes when I say, like on a weekend when I kind of have a cold or I'm struggling with my sinuses, back at the Welcome Center, I get someone, oh, you got to take these. These will clear you up in no time. What's happening? They're excited to give me a remedy that worked for them. I'm like, are they, are they legal? No, they're out of Mexico, but they're going to work really good for you. I'm, <laughs> I'll pass, okay? I'll pass. But the idea is that when something really good happens to me, when I find a remedy, I want to share it. That's what the gospel is. That's, that's what motivates me to pursue people is I have found something that has released me from the guilt and shame of my sin. That is massive. I don't live in shame, you guys. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've fallen short. All of that. But I am living free. And I, that's a powerful thing that people can't get their head around. That's why I want to share the gospel. So let's go. Number one in your outline, pursuing people starts with God pursuing us. It's, it's pretty hard to pursue someone and care about them without you first being chased down by God. Most of you, I assume, have a relationship with the Lord. That's why you're here today. But I don't want to assume that about all of you. Many of you may be here asking questions about God. You're not sure about your faith. I can assure you this, God's chasing you. God loves you, whether or not you love him back. He believes in you. He created you, whether you believe in him or not. And so it's very important for you to know that God is chasing you. Now, I want to use a story today as a baseline that's pretty familiar to some people who grew up in church. His name is Zacchaeus. How many of you ever heard of him? Zacchaeus. What's, what's he known for? 
being short. Being a little, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Come on. Wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sick. Okay, that's good. That's good. How many of you feel really left out in your childhood that you did not know that song? Yeah, Zacchaeus. So here we go. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho. He made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. That's, that's huge. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he said. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. What a story. You know, when you think about this guy who wants to see Jesus, let me just give you some quick kind of tabletop things that we're going to spring off of that goes into the rest of this outline. First of all, he was a tax collector, which meant he was rich. There were no poor tax collectors in the day of Jesus. This was a day and age when you were assigned a region. It was a very high, um, big opportunity when you were appointed over a region because you basically had sovereignty over that region and no one else could tell you what to do or correct you or make adjustments. You made the decision. How would you feel if uh, IRS agent walked into your house, looked around, all your belongings, everything you had, and said, I think your tax this year is going to be X amount because I'm going to buy a boat and I need it to be a little higher. <laughs> That's what was happening. So tax collectors were hated. They were hated, despised. They had no friends except other tax collectors. So this is a, this is a tension already that Jesus is going to even go into his house. He also was trying to see Jesus be, because he, he had heard about Jesus, but he couldn't get a clear view of him because he was small in stature. And who was in the way? The crowd, everybody. Now, I'm going to just give a thought. Is it possible that many people out there who are not followers of Jesus would, in fact, like to see the truth about him? I think that's reasonable. I think it's true. But I think many people are distracted by the crowd of people who follow Jesus. Say, now, now, wait, wait, wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm saying us. I'm saying sometimes we get aggressive. We get mean-spirited. You know who was following Jesus this day? Religious people, church-going people, Pharisees, teachers of the law, Sadducees. They were following him. And here's a guy who doesn't believe who's trying to get a glimpse of Jesus, but all he sees is the crowd who's following him. May I just propose that if you're here today and all you see are other Christians that are messing it all up, other Christians that are mean-spirited, other Christians that are bigoted, other Christians that are racist, that's not the picture of Jesus. It's not. And I, I feel horrible when I mess it up. I feel horrible when my attitude is such that someone can't see a clear picture of Jesus because I'm in the way. Zacchaeus had to climb a tree in order to see. Just think about that. It's not a big part of the story, but there's something here. He kept trying. He ran ahead of the crowd. And then the fact that Jesus knew his name, I blew him away. Zacchaeus. And the fact that he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. No one saw that coming. So we have all these, what? What? What's going on? Why'd that just happen? How did that just happen? Are you kidding me? We have a lot of those in this story. Number two. Pursuing people 
means that I respect their response. As a church, as we set out in 2020 to love people well, to let love live, as we say, to reach people, you know, that's our whole statement as a church. Timberline exists to, to reach people, to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ because we know he's the changer of the heart, the mind, the spirit. We can't change anybody, but God can. Verse 6, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great what? Excitement and joy. Does Zach want him to come to his house? Yes, he does. What if Zach had said, no, you're not welcome in my house. Don't even think of it. Would Jesus have said, sorry, I'm the son of God. I can walk right through the door. No, he wouldn't have. Why wouldn't he have? Because Jesus did not force his way into unbelieving households. He went into the religious temple and overturned the tables because people were stealing from people. That's the crowd. He always, you know who his conflict was? With church people. He never had conflicts with, with seekers and people who were sinners and people who wanted to talk to him. He always had, had problems with people who thought they knew it all. If Zach had said no, Jesus would not have forced his way in. I think it's imperative that we get this right. We have to pay attention and be respectful of people who are not wanting you to tell them the truth about the gospel. They don't care. They don't want to know. Yeah, but, but they need to know. Well, they need to know, but they're not going to listen to you. As a matter of fact, you might make it worse if you butt into their life, right? So let's pay attention to that. I've, I, have you ever talked to someone who, who is like too close to your face? Like, How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, it's just... It just, it's just a weird thing, and you, you kind of forget what they're actually saying because you're worried about the space, you know, and you kind of learn the puffer, the puffer fish move, like, you know, it's like, it's like, don't be so close. And Christians who are breathing down people's neck who are not interested and, and leaving a Bible open to a certain verse and putting a, a scripture on their computer screen or sending an email they didn't ask for, these are things that we have to really pay attention to. My heart is good, I know, but re be respectful of where people are in their, in their journey. As Christians, I don't know. Generally speaking, are we respectful? I don't know. I see a lot of really overly aggressive Christians that are telling people what to do and the people are not asking them for their opinion. Number three, pursuing people comes with controversy. Now, now this is one that I want you to really pay attention to because... This, is hap this happens at Timberline all the time. And, and, and controversy is real. When you reach lost people, it's a mess. Because our lives are a mess. All of us have a mess in our life. Amen? And if we could just open it all up and be honest, good grief. All the stuff we're dealing with. And, and most of us are people of faith. Verse 7. But the people, remember who they are, the crowd, the spiritual, Christian, religious people... They were displeased. Why? Wouldn't they be happy? He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumble. He should have been coming to my house because I'm righteous. There's this something that happens to them. The fact that he goes into a house of a tax collector and they hate this guy. He's ripped them off and Jesus is going to have dinner with him. Are you kidding? Hey, it's awkward when you hang out with people that are not people of faith. It creates controversy. I've been there. 
I remember, I remember one time, I was, it was in the summer, so it was light till like 9 o'clock, and I was finishing work. It's when we had, were in the building over on LeMay, and Collindale Golf Course is just right down here, and Bonnie was out for something, and I had a couple hours. I thought, I'm going to swing by and play nine holes. And so I popped in to Collindale and said, do you have any openings for one? Just squeeze me in somewhere. And they said, yeah, there's a threesome just ready to go on the tee box right now. Go join them. So I've learned in playing golf that if you're a threesome and you're always playing together and sometimes you don't want a fourth person to come in. So I was very cautious. I came in and said, guys, they just put me with you. I hope it's okay. I'll try not to mess up your friendship. Did you play together? Yeah, they said, we play. No, they said, we blank and play every blank and blank and blank and day, blank and day, blank and day. Whoa. Seriously, have you ever talked to someone who puts cuss words where they don't even fit? I mean, you know, I mean, I got to admit, I'm not a cusser, but every now and then a cuss word fits kind of in a sentence, you know, and you go, okay, I respect that, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying. But there was just no rhyme or reason. These guys were competing on who could put the worst words the most times in a meaningless sentence. It, it was awful. And there, so I, I hit the ball. I'm like, oh, man, what is going on? We get, we get the whole two, and this guy says, let me tell you a joke. And, oh, man, I was just like, I can't even smile at this joke. Like, I need to just turn. It was awful. I mean, awful. And the things they were saying about women and all these, and just this crude, rude world. And whole four, they finally said. So... <laughs> What the blank and blank and blank and do you blank and blank and do? Oh man, I thought about it for a minute and I, I kind of went, I'm a, I'm a plumber. Uh, <laughs> no, I said, I'm a pastor. And it was like, this one guy threw his cigar down and go, blank and blank and blank and what? Oh. They said, one guy said, we'll try to clean it up. And the other guy said, blank and we blank and we'll not blank and clean it up. <laughs> it did not change a thing in that whole foursome. But if you had been behind me or in front of me as a foursome and watching your pastor play golf with these guys, it would have created a controversy. <laughs> I've ridden uh, my motorcycle with groups that it was controversial. Loved these guys, cared about them, but... I know when to leave the party. I, they made one stop. I didn't go in, I, obviously. And I, I, just, I just think it's important. Jesus had a hard time with the church people because they have a certain standard that they expect him to hold to, and they, he would never go into a tax collector's house. Does it matter who we hang out with? Yes, it does. Teenagers, listen to me. If you're a teenager in this room or in the South Auditorium right now, Look around at who you're hanging out with and ask the question, do I like them? Do I want to be like them? Am I becoming like them? My mom always said you're going to become like the people you hang out with. I think that's true. Parents of teenagers, pay attention to who your kids are hanging out with. Should they be a light in darkness? Yeah, we sang it today. Be light, be salt. It's all good. But who's dragging who where? So we need to pay attention to how am I being influenced? All these things matter. No one influenced Jesus toward a sinful life. 
Man, his temptation in the wilderness, Satan himself came after him. But Jesus did not compromise. So this is a very important concept with the controversy in our own church. I have people sometimes who, who look at me and they'll meet me back at the welcome and just say, you would not believe who was here today. This guy is bad. He's, he should not be here. Like, isn't that why we exist? You're here. <laughs> Right? You're here. <laughs> it's, it's just a mindset. It's a mindset. And, and so, so we have people who come from our, our, our Larimer County Detention Center up here, usually at the 1130 service. They get out for three hours. They walk here. We have rows of them. And, and the director said, and if you're here, God bless you, thank you. The director said, you know, I know that when they walk up here, I hope it's okay, but some of them I know they just sit out on the patio and smoke and they're not engaged and all that. And I said, but then he said, but, but guess what? I know that they, they have speakers out there in that patio. I said, yeah, we do. Why? We're planting seeds. Jesus said, I'm going to go to Zach's house. It's going to be controversial. But we are called to pursue people. We are called to love them and care for them. And so that's what we do as a, as a church. Number four, pursuing people will create a response. Anytime we make a decision, we send a missions group, we go into these countries that are closed to the gospel. I mean, how many of you know the word convert is a very strong word? There are countries, if you try to convert someone to a different religion, you'll go to jail and could be killed. So you better get it right, and you better pay attention, you better have wisdom, you better be called by God. All these factors matter, but there's a tension here. Look at verse 8. Here's what happened in Zach's house. Meanwhile, I love that word, after the dinner, after the talk, this could have lasted four or five hours, Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord and he said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, (laughs) isn't that a telltale sign? It's like... If I've cheated people, which I have, I will give them back four times as much. Change. He had a heart change. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. This man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. He's become a believer. This is the moment. This is why I came to this earth. Wow. That's transformation. That's worth a dinner at somebody's house. Jesus left it better than when he found it. I love the word meanwhile. Meanwhile. I go to Zach's house. Meanwhile. That meanwhile could be four hours. It could be ten hours. It could be one year. It could be ten years. Meanwhile, you're planting seeds to impact people for the kingdom of God. Meanwhile, you keep loving them. Meanwhile, you hang in there. Don't stop. You keep pursuing them in love as they let you into their life. Number five. The declaration by Jesus. This, this verse declares something that has become, I would call it like a staple in Christianity. A lot of people know this verse, that you learn it, it's one that you memorize, Luke 19, 10. And it's simply this, the Son of Man, who is Jesus, has come to seek and save those who are, what? Lost. The purpose of him coming to this earth is to seek and save, pursue, Those who are lost. Now we're going to get into some very controversial parts. And that's the principles of scripture that I want to read to you. And I want to address them. Open your heart. 
Number one, Matthew 28, 19, it's, it's known as the great commandment. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples. Keep in mind, this is after his death, after his resurrection, and right before he's going to ascend into heaven. It's like some of his final words. And he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. One translation says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Does that sound to you like a suggestion? It isn't. If, if Jesus would have said, you know what, for some of you who are for this, you know, you're wired this way, you're, you're kind of, you kind of like this kind of thing, why don't you go do that? That's not what he said. This is our job. This is our calling. This is our mandate. Some people, I, I talk to pastors all the time, well, we don't really do missions. And, and I, I, I honestly, I gotta say, I don't, even, I don't even know if I would call that a church. If you don't do mission, if, you're, if you don't have a mission to reach the world, you're not even a Bible-believing church. Because this is not optional. And, and it's controversial, but I want to tell you, you guys, we as Timberline, we are here to reach people who are not followers of Jesus. That's why we exist. Both here in our backyards, our neighborhoods, people who are hurting and wounded, and people all over the world. A mandate is on us to do it. The second one is John 14, 6. It's even worse. This is worse. Okay, Jesus told him, here you go, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Ugh. Ugh. How arrogant. Are you kidding me? Jesus is the only way to the Father? Come on, that's a little narrow-minded, isn't it? Wow. Do you know, I have, I've read that scripture before in sermons, and I've had two or three emails that week of people saying, how dare you say that? Why? This goes totally against the grain of our culture that says all roads lead to the same place. Just open your heart. Just follow your instincts. Just trust your spirit, man. Because, you know, people say, well, what about the good people? Well, the Bible has another verse for that. It gets worse. There are none good. No, not one. But they do good work. They might. But this is talking about their spirit, man. We're born on this earth into sin, and there's no way out of that except through the Savior, Jesus Christ. I've had people say, how dare you say that? I can't believe you would make a statement. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And I've said to them, hey, hey, I didn't say it. I read it. Jesus said it. Your decision is this. You have to make up your mind if Jesus is an arrogant lunatic who is self-serving or if he is, in fact, the Son of God. Make up your mind. That's what you have to decide. And, and it's complicated. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's complicated and it's harsh. And it's a lot. And I struggle with it. I wish it wasn't, I wish it wasn't in there the way it is because it's such a battle right now in our culture because of all the, quote, good people in the world who are trying to do good without Jesus. Boy, it's tough. Let me tell you this. Here's, here's where I, I think this is, I believe it's true in my heart. 
If someone is truly seeking truth, they might stand on a Hindu road, a Muslim road, any other religion, Eastern religion, whatever road they're on. I feel with all of my heart, if they're truly seeking the truth, Jesus shows up somewhere on that road. I believe that. He doesn't continue on that road, but he will lead people to himself, to the right road. But true seekers of truth somehow get God's attention. I've seen it over and over and over. So trust that, believe that, proclaim that. You guys, this matters in our thinking. And there are great churches in history and through time and right now in America that are completely compromising this. Who are just giving it up. They're just saying, no, we can't say that anymore. Don't use that verse. Like, rip it out of the Bible. I didn't create this. Jesus said it. We're a Bible church. And I'm not angry saying it. I'm, I'm lovingly saying, let's pursue people because we know the path they need to be on in order to find the love of the Father. With compassion we come. And the third one is the way to make this happen. It's Romans 10, 9, and 10. I've put all these verses in, in your bulletin because I want you to have this as a template. Don't throw that away if you don't know these already. Because this is a template you need to get in your head and you need to look at it again and study it some more. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It's not about signing up to build a house for a poor person, though that's wonderful. It's not about caring for the homeless, though we should. It's not about taking in and adopting children, though we should. It's about declaring Jesus as the Lord of your life and believing he's the Son of God who died for your sin and rose from the dead. That's how you're saved. And then all of the good that our godly nature asks us to do, we do out of obedience and respect and love for the world that we live in. Now, how are we going to do that? Four things I want to wrap up with. Really fast, but really important. So stay with me on these. These are traits. Traits that I want to have in my life that I want you to have in your life. The first one is humility. Humility. When we present the gospel, when we pursue people, I'm telling you, people smell you coming if you have arrogance in your life. Well, I know the answer. He's the way, and you're going to hell. And I'm pretty happy about it. That's an attitude, right? Be humble. You are so fortunate that the mercy of God reached out to you and knocked on your heart. Praise God. You know, and, and, and I, don't know, I don't think you really know if you have humility. You know, if someone says, you know, my, my greatest strength is that I'm really humble. <laughs> you you kind of have to step back and say, hmm, I don't, I'm not sure. The second one is kindness. It, it's a big, it's a, it's a simple word and it can just be stated and you move on and you don't think about it. But kindness is like, it's everything. Kindness when you're attacked. Kindness when people don't like you. Kindness when, when you're laughed at and mocked. Just kindness. Jesus is on the cross dying. He's been beat to death. He's bleeding like crazy. He's about to pass away. And he says, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know. They don't understand. 
No wonder they're mean. No wonder they're saying all these awful things. No wonder they're tortured. They don't understand. That's kindness coming from a deeper experience than just the human realm. Kindness, true kindness comes from a spiritual realm that comes from God, from the heart. Third is respect. Respecting people's journey. Respecting them. Because they're created in the image of God. I had someone in a service last night who said, yeah, but you don't know this one person. How can I respect them? And I said, well, are they made in the image of God? And she kind of rolled her eyes and said, I don't think so. <laughs> we all know a few like that. I said, sometimes all you have is knowing they're created by God. What happened to them, their bitterness, their hatefulness, all of that is way beyond your control. But just being willing to respect their journey. Even on social media, I've seen it. When, when people start arguing about God and politics and the issue, all of a sudden someone just pipes in and says, well, you're just stupid. And someone writes back, you're stupid. <laughs> and I'm sure at that point, both people yield and say, you're right, I'll never say that again, right? <laughs> no, it just makes it worse. So let's be respectful. The last one is long haul journey. Long haul journey. You guys, if I'm going to plant an orchard, I'm going to prepare the soil and I'm going to put some seeds in and I'm going to wait. I'm going to water and I'm going to wait. You know, we're called to pursue people, but don't be discouraged if it's not overnight. Some of you have kids that are walking away from God. They're in a journey, long haul. Ask more questions than telling them how they should be living. Let them have the, the knock of Jesus on their heart. Pursue them and love them. Encourage them. But make a commitment that you're not going to force it. I tried to iron a shirt the other day, and I was in a hurry. Ever done this? Get the iron out, throw up the table real fast, put the shirt out. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on. It's not hot. I just have a few seconds here. Come on, iron. Get hot. Sometimes that's how we are with God. It's like, I want it now. I need results now. And God says, Ooh. What was that? No. No, God's attentive to our needs, but he knows better than you. Lord, we, we need you. I just, I, I just ask you to show us how to make adjustments in our lives to pursue people well. Not, not to put a notch in our gun and say, yeah, I shared my faith today. It might have done nothing. Show us where those doors are of opportunity to go into Zach's house, to build a friendship, to, to have a meal with someone, to care about our kids, to, to go deeper than just... A Bible verse hanging in a sign somewhere. Show us how to build relationship. God, would you release Timberline Church and the churches that are presenting the gospel? Would you give us favor with people that don't even like you? Give us favor in this, in this community. Help us to find a way to pursue people in your love and your grace that makes you smile. We need that and we love you. If you're here today without this love of God and today's your day to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, as I read in Romans, do it now. Lord, I trust you with my life. I believe, I believe you. You're the son of God. 
I am determined to follow. Just say it right now. Follow him. Become a follower. He'll help you with the rest of it. I promise. Listen to his voice. Lord, we give all this to you in your name.